Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Today's guest is Seton Smith. You've seen him playing motif on the Fox sitcom Mulaney, telling jokes on Late Night with Seth Meyers, and speaking his mind on The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore. Vulture named him one of the 50 comedians you should know in 2015, and he just released his first CD, Baloney Meat. So let's get to it! So Seton Smith, welcome to Last Things First. Thanks, Sean. Uh, before I get into the question part of this interview, mm-hmm. I just want to compliment you. I know you did not win an Emmy Award, for your role as motif in Mulaney. Oh man, sadly, it was came to the last <laughs> second of of not having, not being even in consideration. But I want to compliment. I know I've done this on the website, but I wanted to compliment you face to face, microphone to microphone. That I th- I was really impressed by the job you did. Oh, thanks, man. Because stand-up comedians are not known for their acting skills, and I thought you just you just wove yourself into that character. As if you were you were meant to be there. Oh man, thank you very much for saying that, dude. Uh, I was on the cast with a bunch of really intimidating people, so like it kind of forced me to work a little harder than I normally would have. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it just kind of worked out that way. I was like, oh shit. Like, and then and then Mulaney kind of saw a side of me that I didn't know, and I don't know, things kind of worked out. And also, it was a live studio audience, so it was like not that far out of my comfort zone. Right. Yeah. Now, did you do you have a b- acting background that I'm not aware of? I mean, nothing official. Like I did a bunch of classes growing up growing uh you know camps and, mm-hmm. and then uh and then you know college i did like i would do like non-major stuff and then i don't know i started fucking around hanging out with actors and i started doing a lot of short films growing up and okay then, and then in college i started doing more short films and then then i was take and then like in the pursuit of figuring out my voice as a comedian i would take acting like scene work classes with particular people then i would do like clown workshops and then no shit like that. Ah, now it all comes out. Yeah. <laughs> You've been secretly plotting to be in show business. Yeah, for a long time. For a long yeah. time. When was the first, what was the first production you ever did as a kid? Uh, I'm sure there was like, I mean, school plays at seven and shit. But I think my first time on stage as stand-up was 10 years old at a, a talent show. Yeah. And you did stand-up for your talent? Yeah, I did stand-up for my talent and then like to get into the talent show and then I didn't know you were supposed to write jokes every time. Mm-hmm. So, like, I auditioned to get in the talent show, and that was my set. I didn't know. So then I had to, like, work on the fucking set in front of the <laughs> same people. And I didn't know that. So I just made up a new set, and it got. And then by the third week, it just got so bad that they were, I was like, can I just host? Because I can't. I've kind of lost my confidence. Right. <laughs> at, ten, at 10. At 10. I just well, felt like, I was like, and I felt so bad about myself. I was like, no, I realized. And then, <laughs> even when I was hosting, I would do little snidey remarks. Mm-hmm. And then my dad sent a note. Uh, he's through my sister, and my, and my sister was like, Dad says, stop making jokes in between the acts. And just bring them on. <laughs> wow. Well, what was well, your act? That was meant to be a joke. What was, uh, your act, what was your act like, though? Oh, then? I yeah, mean, yeah, you're- my first act, because I remember the first one. I don't know how it fucking devolved in some mm-hmm. bullshit, but the first one was <laughs> me just talking about my dad. I literally just woke I woke up, go to school, and then I went through like literally the little trials and made fun mm-hmm. of everything, and they made a call back coming back home. It was really... 
<laughs> my parent, my, my dad and stepmom were hilariously frustrated, were uh, controlling, so they kept, mm-hmm. first, then they made me rehearse in front of them. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then I had to go fucking, and so basically everybody took control of my act, and I was like, man, fuck this shit. Wow. <laughs> it got really annoying. It's probably why I don't have a manager now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm like, nah, man, fuck that. I'm my mom, man. <laughs> what, what had inspired you at such an early age to get into comedy? Uh, I think Eddie Murphy was worshipped in my house. Right. Uh, my mom and my mom and dad were never together. So, uh, but even on both houses, like mm-hmm. when Eddie Murphy came on, it was like the shit. And then Richard Pryor was introduced, and whenever they spoke about them, it was with reference. It wasn't with well, oh, that motherfucking comedian. It was like right. he funny. Oh, is he funny? Like that I mean funny. Being funny was like a. At least in the world that I saw as a kid, that being funny seemed to be like the highest compliment you can give. Because you ever notice, like in the white community, being funny is usually the dunce of the room, but. In the black community, being funny is a power thing. Right. It's like the funniest dude in the room was probably the hardest, scariest nigga in the room, too. Right, whereas in the white community, it's either, well, you're considered the class clown, but that's kind of more of a, like the fratty guy is the class clown. But then the people who become comedians are more like the nerds or the people who exactly. were quiet in the corner. Yeah, but like black communities usually, usually there's, there's nerds, a black nudes, a bunch of black nerds, right. but usually like, like Richard Pryor wasn't a nerd. He no. Was, you know, he was like just as crazy as any other person so <laughs> yeah and that's he was just the coolest nigga in the room he's the funnest person to be around were your were your were your parents involved in comedy themselves or nah my dad's a uh, uh, college professor of political uh, science okay and my mother is a minister very nice yeah so when you <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry am I surprising you every sentence you're just like oh uh, what no I like learning <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's that's what this podcast is all about is about learning what's What's going on and how somebody decides to become a comedian? Uh-huh. But mean, you you had it you had it figured out. You weren't. Yeah, I wanted to do it since I was like yeah nine or ten, and then pretty much I was just killing time until I can get on. Stage. You went right past astronaut and baseball basketball player. Oh, I thought about Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. I was really into Ghostbusters, yeah. and and then I realized in retrospect I probably just liked the writing more than I actually liked the uh, <laughs> the idea of being a Ghostbuster. I was like this production is the shit. And <laughs> around ten I realized that, and so yeah. The I actual have, the actual day to day of Ghostbusting did not. I did not care about the clerical work. I didn't care about the the, the sliding down the poles. Like oh that's fun. What but, about the uniforms? The uniforms were cool. Yeah. I'm wrong, but it just the quips, the Bill Murray quips seemed to be the, the, the work. And I was like, that seems like great job. <laughs> when I watch that movie again, though, look mm-hmm. at that, that movie stands up. That movie probably is better now than it was when I was a kid, in my opinion. So so now that they're making a new Ghostbusters movie, did, uh-huh. you, did you try to relive your childhood dream and get in on that? Uh, yeah, they weren't asking me. No? <laughs> My number wasn't apparently on the Rolodex. Oh. <laughs> Sad, right? Weird, right? Well, well, now Paul Peek knows that when the sequel comes around, because there will be yeah, Paul, another Ghostbusters, that no, Steve right. Smith is available. You're right, Paul Peek. And willing. Paul Peek fucked the fuck up. That's all I know. He's going to get an angry tweet from me. That's all I know. So when you know that, that comedy is, is something you want to do at, at an early age, mm-hmm. how does that change your outlook on high school and college in terms of what you're going to study? Uh, I did film, like TV production work in high school, and then mm-hmm. I got a film degree in college. So yeah, it pretty much was like always about it. Okay. In my head, I was like, I want to make, yeah, I just want to be in control of everything. <laughs> and when was the first time you went to a comedy club? I was, uh, frick, 15? 15, I saw Donnell Rollins in Brooklyn. Um, 
uh, that place off the Fulton stop on the Flatbush Avenue. I forgot what the place is, like Jay's or something in the back mm-hmm. room. That shit was a great show. It was uh, 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 Donna Rollins just riffing and shit, riff, 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 riff. And then for some reason on the side, there was this chick, right? And she keeps, she has a great ass, right? She keeps walking by the stage, walking by the stage. And mm-hmm. eventually he just calls her out like, yo, why are you walking out? She's looking so delicious. Crowd, <laughs> crowd work starts ensuing. Again, mm-hmm. this is like 1997, so, you know, <laughs> the standards are a little different. Right. Uh, so she's fucking around. Eventually we find out she's a stripper. And then eventually she gets up, walks by the stage again, and just flashes a pussy into the entire crew, right? <laughs> and you're watching that at 15. 15. I'm just like, yeah, I had a friend of mine. My mother introduced me to a friend of mine, Janine. She used to just like be my little mentor and mm-hmm. take me to shows, tell me about shit. And uh, yeah, so like, I, so anyway, she flashed the pussy. Then, anyways, <laughs> she sits down and then another dude hands up a $100 bill. like, I give $100 to the woman with the best pussy in the room. And then the stripper and the chick behind her get into like a verbal fight of like who had the best pussy. And that was my first comedy show. It was awesome. <laughs> I was like, this is fun. This looks fun as fuck. Did that spoil you for what was to come? No, comedy is not disappointed since that show. I've no. seen equally crazy shit since then. <laughs> yeah, comedy's great. If you keep what, going. What about that period of open mics and the struggle? Well, I was of in getting to be- I was in D.C., which is a pleasant place to be. Right. New York is a horrific place to do open mics. People who do that are L.A. and New York niggas who start comedy here. You're a fucking yeah. hero to me. Uh, D.C. is like another place I can go fail. Nobody really cared. You know, you get a little figure out thing because I kind of wanted to try a bunch of things before I really settled on a persona. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, you were 15 in Brooklyn, but then you went to Howard. No, I was 15 in. Uh, I was born in San Diego. I never lived anywhere longer than two years growing up. Really. Okay. Uh, my mother didn't want to be on her deathbed and realize she missed out on something. This <laughs> microphone sounds so fucking good. I feel like I'm not actually <laughs> in this room. I feel like, God damn, these are some good ass mics. <laughs> you were inside the podcast. How much are these fucking headphones, nigga? Like Jesus, this is place. All right, I didn't expect to be in this room. All right, my bad. Let's focus. It's an unsolicited to plug for Showbird Studios. This shit is great, man. I feel like there's a dead body you could hide in here. Uh, <laughs> fuck. All right, my bad. So you were moving around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went to Howard. I went to in, Howard University in, in D.C. But before then, I was in New Jersey for high school. And before okay. then, I was in California for elementary school. And for a brief time, I was in Missouri and also South Carolina. Um, so anywho, uh, at one some point in California, I was like, I want to live. Uh, I want to. What was my point? I'm sorry. I forgot we were talking about the dead body. I forgot we were talking about Well, we, <laughs> you had mentioned that, that D.C. was a better place. Well, I mean, you were already going to college there, but it was a yeah. better place to start out yeah. in comedy than, yeah. than trying to be in competing with pussies in, in Brooklyn. They're not pussies. I mean, they're actually, when I started with 2003, hipsters didn't really Well, I didn't mean that's with that very specific show. <laughs> uh, nah, Where like, you could just be yourself and learn right. what you were as a comedian. Yeah, because without the industry coming out and then prejudging you and figuring mm-hmm. out what you are. and Also, I don't know. Some people just... You mentally need to be ready for rejection. And I wasn't, in my 20s, I was too sensitive to be dealing with shit. Like, Jermaine Fowler, to me, is one of the fucking strongest human beings. He just woke up and was like, I'm going to fucking get it. And he's fucking tough. Yeah. Me, I'm fucking sensitive. I'm like, All right, hold on, let me figure out what I got before you start <laughs> judging me. That's why I can't even tweet anymore. I'm like, you know, there's no reason for me to be trying to risk my job over a fucking one-liner. Fuck that. <laughs> well, especially now that uh, the, uh, the online media circus circles around all of your past tweets when you get a, a big job and they go yeah. they go looking for your worst jokes that you can put on there. I wish Jezebel... When's the last time Jezebel's actually bigged up comedians? Like, you need to see this motherfucker. This person is great. No, it just seems to be... <laughs> his uh, tweets from 2011 were on fire. Right! He was ahead of his time, man. Just want to throw it out there. Just want to say, good job, man. Like, I've never heard of Jezebel. No, it's all just... Oh, man, look what this person said randomly at 3 a.m. after some whiskey. They fucking... Said something inappropriate. Did they say something about you ever? 
No, they don't care okay. about me. No, no, no. I'm just talking <laughs> shit for other people. Oh. I, I, I'm sure they'll talk shit about me, but then I'll probably feel great. Like, oh, hey, they're talking about me. <laughs> how, how long did it take you on stage before you, you felt you knew what you were doing? January of this year. Uh, end of it. Yeah. Maybe a little, maybe a little February. But yeah, around January, I was like, okay, I like, yeah. I like who I am now. I mean, probably around six years in, I was like, I like this. But then I would say around eight, I was like, no. And then around year 10, I was like, this is bullshit. And then like, after that, January, it started getting funny again. So it was nice. So what, <laughs> so what was that moment where everything clicked into place for you? It wasn't a moment. It was an analyzation. It mm -hmm. was more like a graduation. It was like a dissertation, more or less. Does <laughs> so that make sense? Like this last yeah. album I just did was more of a dissertation of like everything I've learned, everything I've grown from. And just kind of settling in on like, okay, this is who I am, and I accept it, but mm -hmm. I just have to fine tune it. Like a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot, I would say the biggest thing for me is getting my ego out the way. I had a big ego problem. Now, I probably have a continuous ego problem for the rest of my life, but recognizing it was one mm -hmm. of the bigger things. Like, because the ego tells you, you know, you gotta be this, you gotta be that, as opposed to recognizing reality and creating reality. This sound hippie as shit, by the way. I don't. Want, well, I'm not trying to be hippie. I'm trying. My bad. Let's be grounded. Should well, I try to? <laughs> a lot of a lot of comedians have ego issues. Yeah. Both ways, they think they should get everything right out of the gate, or they think they're not worth anything. Right. And like I've been reading this book, Power. Now he expanded on the uh, the definition of ego. So more or less, like if you think about it as a child that just is trying to deny, because a lot of your misery comes mm -hmm. from just denying that this shit's at you, like not accepting, like, oh, fuck, I had a bad set. Oh, if I only did this, if I only did that. When you keep fucking repeating that to yourself, it's like, well, you're not accepting that you did bomb. You, what you gonna do next time? No, you're just harping on some shit that you can't control. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's what happens. Your brain just worries about a bunch of things you can't control. And then once I figured out how to turn the brain off and just deal with what's in front of me, that really clicked. And I was like, oh, okay. So before you go on stage, what are kind of the last things you do as a routine to kind of get in that right headspace? Oh, I just clear my mind. Because, um, mm -hmm. I mean, with most of the jokes, I probably worked on them all day, so there's nothing I can do anymore about that. So about an hour before, I try to just highly concentrate on whatever I'm doing. Therefore, I'm just doing it. Not, I'm not washing my dishes, my mind somewhere else. No, I'm fucking cleaning the fuck out of these dishes. I'm worrying about my steps. I'm, um, I'm thinking about a bunch. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worrying about any. I'm trying to just cut out thinking because once I get on stage, you don't want to be thought about like, oh, what about they don't like me? What if this is? What right. about this? Or what does this mean to my career? No, you want to be like, all right, that person is talking to me. Let me respond accurately or let me get this thought out clearly. Let me, let me uh, talk over these people paying these bills. Let yeah. me. Uh, <laughs> did you did you have uh, uh, jobs to pay the bills before mm -hmm. comedy did it? Um, I was a golf caddy. Then I was a barista. Then I was a banquet bartender. Then I was doing temp agencies at mm -hmm. like dating dating sites. And then I was an AV manager for a nonprofit. And then after that, I got full time comic. Wait, what's the temp? What temp? What kind of temp job do you have at a, at a dating? I used to work for. I, I don't even know if I. I think I didn't sign anything. Off. I'm sure it's, they all. They're all great jobs, but I want to know about this one. It's just lunch. I was doing like okay. just setting up dates for like two months. It was really not a job I should have had, but. Uh, <laughs> It was really like I had to like get on the phone. <laughs> I had to get on the phone mm -hmm. with like and like t talk to these people and convince them to date this other motherfucker. Right. And I was not like <laughs> like you, know, about the, it? you were like the ultimate wingman. Yeah, I have no idea in retrospect how I got that job. Like I'm thinking like you really had, like I I don't <laughs> you know, think about it. I uh, I just thinking about the me my deep voice like calling right. up like Susan. You want, yo I, I know somebody you gonna love. <laughs> Uh, his name is Phil. He is. Uh, he works in sales. <laughs> what, does he, what does he look like? <laughs> well, uh, he's um, 
fit, athletically fit. Mm-hmm. That was the worst because like nobody could. Does think. he does he smoke? Does he? Uh, no, they don't ask questions like that. Okay. More or less, they ask. No, they listen. This, when you when you start <laughs> dates, like like I don't know. What, on, I don't know what your phone calls were like. Exactly, but like right. I don't know what like online dating now to me is balanced things out. But before mm-hmm. there was online dating, there was people calling in and paying like a lot of money for right. this shit. And those people are horrific human beings. For the most <laughs> part, they're fucking they're, people asking. They're helping. <laughs> They're not good people. So I would call up a chick like, yo, I got this guy for you. And she's like, well, how much money he's made? Because I cannot date nobody poor. You're like, right. all right, well. They have standards. Yeah, well, I gotta, so then I got to fucking hang up and call him. Like, hey, man, how much did you make last year? <laughs> he's like, 1.2 million. All right. <laughs> he made 1.2 million. She's like, all right, well, I'll see him on Thursday. I'm like, what, man? <laughs> what was the last... <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe there was somebody's job. It was your job to call these people. That's, yeah, yeah, that was that's cool. crazy. Just to imagine. Yeah, it was fun. It's a good sitcom pitch for you. Uh, what was your last day? Thank jo- you. What was your last day job? Uh, I was the AV manager. I AV set manager. up projectors and uh, um, that's it. Set up projectors, edited events, recorded shit, was set up microphones. Was that a full time or part time? Full time. Was manager. Had had employees and shit. Wow. Yeah, I slept so much on that job. I ain't got <laughs> shit to do. <laughs> so what, Basically, it's like a, it's a non-profit. It's mm-hmm. like they talk about Academy of Educational Development, which is now defunct because of corp- uh, corruption. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were, you know, uh, helping. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it, uh, so, so they basically have conferences constantly. There's a mm-hmm. lot of meetings. So I just set up, like, in the, I would get there at 730 morning, set up a projector, and then break the shit down around 6.30 and I have eight hours and nothing to do. So okay. I made like web series and sketches because I had mad time to edit and shoot things. Yeah. But then I would do other things like watch fucking... That, I was actually binge watching before that shit was popular because I just had nothing else to do. So I would just bend and watch like The Shield, oh, which was a great show. And yeah. or, or beat off. You know, I had that much time. And privacy. Yeah. I wouldn't walk around beating off. I wouldn't have kept the job. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing? What were you doing comedically that allowed you to quit that Job oh, I was go. doing um, I was doing college tours. Okay. So I got uh, 2008. I did Montreal, and then 2009 I got a college agent, and then um, she just booked me like crazy, and then I got into a couple festivals and conferences, and just did colleges, did like 200 colleges in like two years or three nice. years, and then and then Mulaney hit me up, so it's cool. Uh, two things. One, you talk on your new CD, Baloney Meat. Uh-huh. About were you able to listen to I it? I did. Oh, son of a bitch! So, <laughs> so you talk on there about performing at colleges and how they're PC, mm-hmm. and you know, soft words about don't say this word, don't say that word. Right, right. Uh, right. These are kids and they're precious. Right. Um, I'm not saying. Well, it, it was at first. It used to be just kids, and then mm-hmm. I mean, it used to be just the advisors like watch out for the kids. But mm-hmm. then the kids started going, okay, we need. We need like sensitivity. We and then the right like I did a show at Sonoma State actually uh, last October August, and yeah, they some chick wrote a blog about me and just like oh, it was he was really funny even though it was like really, uh, it was like <laughs> all right. So um, the kids are more protective of them themselves than the administrators are. Of them. No, no, they've gotten very sensitive. You know why? Because they stopped getting grades and they started getting turtles for grades. Oh. and that whole generation has grown up now. Now we about to see the we got to see the repercussions of the motherfuckers. Yeah, that's too many turtles. Mm-hmm. Them turtle grade motherfuckers <laughs> not are in enough, charge now. None of grades, too many turtles. <laughs> right. I'm not against them. Fucking give me money. Uh, <laughs> turtle grade people. I'm just saying, this is the society we're in. We're uh, about to get polite <laughs> as fuck. Yo, I was about to be polite 25 years. But then you met John Mulaney. Yeah. When when was the first time you met him? I met him in 2011. Opened up for him at the DC Improv, August 2011. He was opening. He was right before he, he recorded New in Town. So I got uh, to see him like rearranging the set mm-hmm. together. And that was fucking awesome. So even though you... 
you guys both went to college in D.C. and came up out of there. You didn't interact. Georgetown people there. didn't really react, interact with the rest of the, the city. <laughs> but also, most of the cities didn't. I mean, most of the, the, the colleges didn't really interact mm-hmm. that much. I mean, okay. they just all had their sides of the town um, for the most part. So when you got the job on his show, yeah. was that a pilot season thing where you went out? Or was it? Yeah, pilot season. So uh, it was kind of a nice kind of segue. So uh July, I did Caroline's mm-hmm. breakout series, and my agents saw me there, and I got with them in like November. Okay, and then I went. It's like college tours, college tour, college tour, and then March, I got me an acting coach, and then April, I got Melanie, and then yeah. So was that your first pilot season? Yeah, it was my first pilot season. Got my first show on the first pilot season. It was that's, awesome. That's, yeah, that's great because a lot of people, a lot of comedians, talk about going out to L.A. Year after year and going on lots of auditions. Yeah, that sounds like hell. I would never do that. <laughs> how many how many other auditions did you go on that, uh, that year? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't remember, but it wasn't that many. No, it wasn't that many. No, it wasn't as many as the next year. Like this year, I've gone. I get. I did a shitload, but last year I did. I did like um, a well, handful because well, I was. Well, now, I, I didn't know what I was doing too. I right. had to learn. That was a learning curve. Because auditioning is different from acting. Well, now that you've been on TV, people. Mm-hmm can see you you're a quantity yeah and they can start to see you in different characters and roles like oh he did motif he could do this you know it was or he could do motif in this show i hope i mean be nice i mean uh i've uh i've auditioned for a shitload of things ever since when i was on mulaney what was really awesome was that like for some reason like i get to i got to audition for like all the coolest roles in like Mm -hmm. the last three years i had no chance of getting them but i got to be in the room and just audition for them it was fucking like i got to audition for james ryan richard Pryor. it was just fun to do so i mean eventually they'll let me start doing them but shit it was cool (laughs) to be in the room and just be like hey look at this look at me wait so you auditioned for the richard Pryor role yes i did oh what was that like fucking fun because, I mean, it was an idol. He's my idol. So it was like, yeah. I knew everything. I knew how he talked. I knew his. I knew where his family came from. Right. I knew. So it was more or less just me, like, just having fun and doing it. So Did you try to do his voice, too? Or? Mm-hmm. Like, for the most part. But I, I like, I don't like people who do exact voices. I like okay. actors who do, like, uh. So what would your prayer be? Oh, you want to do a version of Pryor right now? Oh, fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) I am not that. I was trying to ease you into it without actually saying. Absolutely not. Give me some Coke in me or something. Maybe I'll do that. (laughs) Speaking of which, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a joke on Mm -hmm. Bologna Meat about uh, what you did with your first check, your Mm -hmm. first TV check. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. What did you actually do with your first TV check? I, I, I. Deposited it and um, and then looked for other jobs because like it was uh, the first the first pilot check was for NBC mm-hmm. so you know all we did was a pilot and so for some reason I really thought in my head I thought it was like before tax I had the before tax amount in my head mm-hmm. and I didn't have like an LLC yet which you know in the business you means like you'll <laughs> limited liability corporation right so therefore you know I don't I don't want to talk money and shit point <laughs> being all I know is I got like a lot less I thought I didn't have to work that summer and right. I did I had to fucking scramble for it <laughs> I was like oh motherfucker it was like a useless amount of time no but it, I mean it's it's interesting to know like when you come into whatever amount of money you came into to be like, oh, did they buy their mom a house? Did they buy a car? Or did they buy themselves a house in Manhattan? Or like, what do you? Oh no! I know that's I not know. the case. It's fucking but, annoying. I but thought people it was... have those those thoughts of, oh, what would I do? Because I'm hitting the entertainment jackpot. Nah, man, fucking. It, uh, I was actually talking to Neil about this. Uh, getting onto a sitcom and getting on TV in general is not like you don't make good money unless you're mm-hmm. a producer. I basically a middle management money. That's what you make. Fucking. 
Sad. <laughs> Especially entry level shit. You'd be like, oh, it looks good on paper, but it ain't. It's be just... <laughs> recurring supporting character. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just got I got a lot of exposure. My life ain't sad though. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying that I'm working a lot. I'm just it's not Yeah, you're not really a billionaire. Sure. Yeah. What was your what was your last day on set like? Mm. Well the thing is it was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't know it was gonna happen until the next right. week. So it was just like, all right, see you next. See you on Monday. It was one of those. Like it was, we shot on, we shoot on Friday, so we just right because they reduced the order. Mm-hmm. By yeah, like two so we had or four episodes. Three, so we had sixteen episode order, and you did and thirteen. The, we finished the episode thirteen, and I think we either had a week off or we we're gonna come that week. So like, I remember Melanie calling me like at night. And I remember being super high, and so I was scared. I was like, what happened? And then he told me, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh shit, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. So you didn't even have a chance to like take anything from the set, or no? I didn't get my fucking. I didn't get no set thing from set. I didn't get nothing from the wardrobe. I could have fucking got that. I didn't mm. get nothing. I just was like, oh, we done, and and and, and, and then I just came to New York and worked on an album. <laughs> so <laughs> was that the was that the very next thing you did? Nah, I waited like like approximately a month and just like at first I started working the road and then eventually mm-hmm. we got out by December first. I was like, I want to go work. Oh right, the two of you, you and Melanie did the road. Yeah, right I did. We, me that. and him toured together for like from. Literally the week after that, we did a date in Sacramento, started warming up, and then, and then we basically performed together around the world. I guess say around the world, but I just around the country in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was also essentially to kind of help promote the show because you had finished production, but they hadn't aired yet. Yeah, and so yeah, we did half like just touring, but like the first touring we did for the show because we were only like. We only got our episodes reduced like three weeks in. So mm-hmm. we were touring together, but it wasn't a real tour tour because he was working on the show and right. I was working on the show. So we couldn't, our sets weren't really that, you know, perfect. But it was, right now his set looks great. His special's coming out at the end of this month. Oh, God, I can't wait to hear that shit, man. Uh-huh. The world's going to love that. But what about your CD? Mm. When My CD's great. Where did you, where did you <laughs> record it? I recorded it at DC Improv okay. uh, back in July. And what was, what was the first thing you thought about when you thought about where you wanted to record it? Uh, was it? I just wanted to record it where everybody would get most of my jokes, because <laughs> not everybody gets everything. It's mm-hmm. fucking annoying. Like nobody, cons- the whole country's not consistent with me, because I'm I'm fucking weird. And so, uh, but no, DC is where I started, and there are a lot of friends. So they were like, I knew I would get a lot of love there, and it was awesome. Right, you want to make it your home club? Would yeah. it have been the same decision if you were if you were shooting a DVD as well, or would you have picked a different venue? Um, I would have picked a different venue probably, because um, I want to do, I don't know. I'm visually wise. I want to do something interesting one day. Mm-hmm. Kind of something in the vein of what I did um, with the sketch that I promoted for the show, for the city seating. I don't know if you've seen that sketch. I haven't seen it yet. There's a sketch of a uh, of me, uh, one of my jokes being acted out as a sketch. Oh. Yeah. Who are you texting right now during the podcast? No, I'm, look, I'm looking to see. I, I want to make sure. I want to make sure. I want to make sure I don't miss anything. <laughs> okay. So, so let me ask you. Uh, was there any? Thought or debate in your head about uh, Bologna versus Bologna? Um, because it's spelled Bologna. It is. It is on the on the. CD. My graphic designer made it Bologna and not <laughs> Bologna, and uh, it looked better. I agree, and I didn't oh, okay. want to correct them. And I was sitting there like, well, maybe I don't know the fuck Bologna sounds like. Ah well, <laughs> it looks better. He's right. It looks better than it looks better Just with stylistically an a. with the G and the. It looks better with an A than it does with an I. So I mean, with a Y. So fuck it. I went with it. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I wanted to make sure I asked you about: mm-hmm. how how young were you when you started snapping in your act? Shit, um, I was snapping in my teenage years, absentmindedly. 
And then I, I stopped it immediately, like first couple of years. And then I heard Lenny Bruce doing it all the time. And I was like, well, well, he can do it. So then, and then I didn't really know what I was doing with it until the last couple of years. And it started, to, like before it was just random acts of a crazy. Mm-hmm. My first 10 years, I really were just the random acts of a crazy person. Cause I, <laughs> it was just like, it was like, well, if you could do, it's kind of like one of those things where like, I don't, I can, I can perform, I can do characters. I can do, mm-hmm. I can, I can do, I can jump around in energy. I can fucking talk fast. I can do one line. Like, what, what you want to do? And then. And it was just all just trying to survive. And then, I don't know, all of a sudden the rhythm started kind of finding itself up there. It's weird. So I'm it's, kinda, so it's more ordered. rhythmic for you, Yeah. the snapping. Yeah, yeah. You want to double, I like to add layers to the comedy. You don't want to just be, there's not just funny words, there's funny right. sounds to words, there's funny movements, there's funny eye contact, there's, there's funny rhythms, there's, boy, there's like callbacks. There's, there's like oh, yeah, a, there's plenty of comedians who, who do that. I mean, Jim yeah. Gaffigan has the interior voice yeah, I'm every, that he uses. And, every, uh not even like that. It's like, it's like or, or like, local the, delivery patterns. Let's say on the basis level of mm-hmm. however you feel about Carlos Mencia. When okay. Carlos Mencia tells a joke, let's say you hate his joke. So for some reason, his joke, if you don't like the, if you don't like the material at all, right. he's still funny. And that for some reason really bothered me. Not bothered me, but in the sense of it, it was a conundrum to me because I was like, well, when you first start doing comedy, people tell you, well, if you want to be funny, fucking work on an opening set of punchline, and that's your funny. And then well, we'd be like, well, why are these motherfuckers out here who don't have jokes? fucking killing it and I'm fucking sitting here getting like one laugh yeah. every fucking uh, minute and this guy's ki- like what, what is what is that and so that's that's what I mean like right. there's because they understand that there's everything you do on stage from uh, every little movement can be funny so it's just more or less manipulation opportunity manipulating opportunity right like I think on one end you have a Mitch Hedberg who his jokes were flat out funny but uh-huh. then also the way he delivered them was yeah. funny and the way he looked on stage with the dark sunglasses staring at the floor. Yeah. Added an extra layer to it. Kevin Hart is a guy who his energy and his enthusiasm adds so much more to the joke. Right, right, exactly. I mean, like, you saw the energy is like his base, but then he does a lot of, sorry, he does a lot of little things to make it all just kind of come together, this great package. Yeah, yeah and then he also has characters and voice. It's fucking great. Emo Phillips of all Oh, Emo Phillips. I just, like, followed, I didn't, I did a weekend, half a weekend with him. He had the other weekend and I had the other half. But yeah, yeah. he, He'll fucking put a trombone together and take it apart and put it in the case and walk while he's telling jokes. It's like, ow. <laughs> How fucking surreal is that shit, yo? Ah. Oh. Yeah, man. Right. Martin Short, watching him, watching Martin Short rehearse really taught me, like, oh, yeah, there's there's more to this than than just words. Uh, so what was it for Martin? Was it the showmanship? It's no one word thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's like asking, like, what makes a blacksmith, this particular blacksmith, mm-hmm. special over that blacksmith. Right. It's like more or less just their attention to detail and technique and their expression of technique. It's okay. more like that. I hate to be nerdy, but that's kind of what it is. What's the, what's the, this might tie in, what's the last sure. great bit of advice you've received? Um, Elliot Gould just said, shut up and just, like, focus on one thing while you're talking. Because uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I was, when I was in Hollywood, I, I, I didn't have a problem with the funny part. It was more or less being a human being. That was um, being a comedian and being a human being are two different things. Like, yeah. I can, comedians will tolerate the way I jump around conversations and jump. They'll just follow me. And do, actors don't do that shit at all. <laughs> I just feel like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, what are we talking Oh, we're going to talk about that? Okay, let's let's try to talk about this boring topic. We're going to talk about lunch? Really? Yeah. We're going to talk about lunch? Okay, let's. We're going to talk about your feelings? Mm, oh, okay. Yeah, so, oh, 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 yeah. Well, Roman Polanski. Yeah, he's, yeah, you okay. <laughs> uh, whatever. I don't know. Um, so Elliot told you to, to 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 focus on one thing. 
Elliot taught me how to be a better person. Like I really like I went through I didn't say I went through anxiety on set, but I went through just, you know, it's like an adjustment period. Right. And Elliot took me as like almost a grandchild, like, here's my number, talk to me, tell me what's going on. You know, he was awesome, man. And how often did you use that phone number? Oh, never. I'm too fucking scared to do it. <laughs> <laughs> too scared to call anybody of my heroes. I have a bunch of numbers of a lot of my heroes. I have no interest in calling. Really? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm scared of butt calling the motherfuckers. I almost <laughs> want to erase their numbers from my phone and put it somewhere in like on black in a black book. If you were so if you were in a crunch, then who's the first person you would dial? A crunch? Like what kind of crunch? Uh like a psychological, emotional. You're like well, I don't know what's going on. You need and you needed advice from somebody. Who's the first person? Um, who would, would who, who would who would, who would you talk call? me off a ledge? You know who would talk me off a ledge? I don't know if he he would be busy. I bet <laughs> you either Michael Che would talk me off a ledge. Yeah. I like him. He's fucking great. Uh, <laughs> now would he respond? Would he take your phone call or would you have he'd to be text busy him? as fuck? I don't so, think. <laughs> so then would you text? Would you, would you leave him a voicemail and then text him, or what would you do? I just text. I, don't, yeah. I, I probably would text anybody for help. I mean, Hannibal I, it helps me a lot. Melanie yeah. still helps me a lot. Okay. Um, fucking Burr, if I really asked, would help me a lot. <laughs> Not a lot, but he's helped me enough in the past. He's, you know, there's a lot of weirdly good people if you just, you know, don't be right. needy about the shit. <laughs> well, I mean, you only need one person yeah. to answer. So oh. it's great that you that you can think of a few. Yeah, I mean... And that you have all these other numbers in your phone. <laughs> I'm not Just saying these motherfuckers are like, you know, pull, you know, get a knife for me or have yeah. a dead body. But most of, my pro- most of my problems are mostly comedy. Like, hey, man, would you do this? No? Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. <laughs> Hannibal, you ever done this? He'd be like, nah, fuck that dude. I'm like, okay, thanks, dude. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it is, man. <laughs> they're, just, they're just smarter than me. You just right. want to be around people who are smarter than you. Right, they've been around the block and they've, they've been through stuff and they can... Pass it on down. Yeah. So what's the what's the first thing you tell a new person who comes to you for advice? A new young comic uh, who comes uh, up to you after a show and says, or emails you and says, I, I want to get into comedy. Oh, I just say, get on stage and good luck to you, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get on stage, yeah. Uh, whatever you just did, do it 200 more times. <laughs> that was five minutes, 200 more times, and then we'll talk. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for sitting here with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Hope it was good. This <laughs> might have been rambling, yeah. My bad. <laughs> it was a, it was really good rambling. Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> this episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. Theme music by Camille Harris and Shockwave. Logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.